Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Heart on the Mic. In this week's chat, I'm sitting with my sister's really good friend, Nina Kayum, and she is just someone who is naturally born a go-getter and an entrepreneur at heart, and she grew up in L.A. at your family restaurant, correct? Correct. You also worked at the restaurant while you were in high school, in high school but you also had another job, right? Correct. I worked at the bank. So how old were you when when that happened? Um, I was 16 when I got hired at Bank of America. So I was in between high school, my parents' restaurant, and the bank. But what were you doing at the bank? I, I was a part-time teller. Just to take it a little bit back, when I was a kid, um, my father worked at the flea market in Hollywood. And as early as 10 years old, I started helping my dad. So from 10 to 15, that's when I really learned the hustle. Like That's when I was just like... Oh, there's a whole nother world, especially when you're a kid. Um, so that world opened up like, wow, I really like business. And, um, you know, I was doing the garage sales with my dad on Saturdays. And from there, I really learned like, whoa, you could buy something for X amount. And then you could take it, you know, just another 40 minutes down and it could be like triple the value. So um, and what did that look like for you? Because. Like some kids, they're forced to go to help their parents work. Like, were you excited to wake um, up on the weekends to well, go? Well, I do have four other siblings, and I feel like three of them gave it a try, and they were like, Dad, this is not for me. And then my dad, I don't know, somehow chose me, and um, he was like, okay, you know, you're going to come with me on Sundays and then sometimes on Tuesdays. Um, but the flea market that was in West Hollywood, that was on Sundays. Um, how did it look like? I was waking up like five in the morning on Sundays, half asleep. Uh, my mom was like packing our food for the day. And I remember just sleeping the whole car ride till I got to uh, the flea market. And I was like, dad, wake me up when we get here. And um, I probably like within like a first like few months, um, quickly started helping the other vendors. And I was like, wow, I got this. Like I was, they knew like, okay, Cena's in at this time. Um, we're gonna come and ask her to help us unload the car. I would help them unload, I would help them load, I would help them set up their booth. And then um, within a few months when I was doing that, I started taking like Starbucks orders. And at this point I was maybe like going on 11 and I didn't even know really what Starbucks was at 11 years old. <laughs> and they had like soy lattes and I was like, what is soy? And I would be walking with their orders to Starbucks in reminding no cell phones, no pagers at that, you know, at my age. And I'd be walking down to Starbucks and I'm like, oh my God, like, what if someone like kidnaps me? Like when my mom like find out, like, how is my dad allowing me to walk down these streets? Cause it was probably like a, a mile or so down. Oh, wow. And, um, anyways, yeah, I would take their uh, pizza lunch orders. I would take like just different orders until, um, the owner's wife who owned the coffee cart, she was like, Hey, um, I'll pay you X amount if you could run to like Smart and Final for me and do like my grocery errands for me. And I asked my dad, I said, dad, you know, I obviously had to help my dad first. So unload, set it up. And then he said, yeah, sure. Like, you know, if you, if they asked you, then that's fine. So I started doing that from one coffee cart and then like the other two carts were like, hey, can you also do our errands to like Smart and Final and go get us ice and like, the syrups for the coffees, like the coffee ground. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So anyways, before you knew it, like at 11 years old, I full blown had like a job on the weekend. Like besides helping my dad, I was like the little flea market mascot. So I was helping everybody and I'd go home. I'm like, wow, that's like good money. Like 
So that's where I learned the hustle. And I really realized, like, wow, I like doing the coffee cart. So, so were you, like, pulling an ice chest with you? Uh, no, I had a, a big cart. It's so funny you asked. I was actually <laughs> had a big cart. Like, I was actually pushing a cart. Like, it, like imagine, like, an 11, 10-year-old just, like, pushing a big cart through the street <laughs> with just groceries. And I don't even remember if my mom, my mom never saw me. So she would be like, what are you doing? But it was my dad and my dad saw me and he was just kind of like, he would always tell me, he's like, well, I'm so proud of you. And then he would like tell his friends and his friends would come over and be like, well, we're so proud of your daughter. Like she's such a hard worker. Um, as I got a little bit older, uh, probably towards like 14, 15, um, that's where I was kind of like, not resentful, but I was kind of like, why did I give up my weekends? Mm. Because I realized I didn't have a childhood. Um, and when I would come home on Sundays, I legit remember, um, I'd be like, oh my God, my siblings better be home. And I come home and they weren't home and I'd start crying. I start crying and they're at Chuck E. Cheese. So that made me cry. I'm like, oh my God, how could they leave without me? Like, how can they go play without me? And at that time there was pagers. So I would page my brother and be like, and I'd be like, uh, page him and then he'd call and be like what's up and I was like hey I need a ride like take me to Chuck E. Cheese and that started like about 10 11 years old where I was like always hunting someone down so they can like drop hang me out off. with you hang out with me or if my I'd come home and my siblings were at my uncle's house and they're all playing with their co my cousins and I was like getting home from a really long day and I was like well I wanted to play too like why didn't anyone care about me or like how come no one's home to play with me so I felt like when I turned that about maybe 14, I kind of was a little thinking it was unfair. Yeah. Like my whole childhood just went on the weekends to helping my dad. So you, did you stop going at 14? Um, actually, I was so excited because at 15, my dad was like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. Um, we're going to get a restaurant. Like I'm looking into a restaurant. So one day I was in 10th grade and I heard an announcement in a homeroom that said that if you're 15 years old, you could apply to do like extra credit uh, on the weekend for a bank teller course. So I was like, shoot, like I like the lollipops at the bank. Like I like money. Like <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. And at that time I didn't have a car. And um, my sister who was 16 had a car. I don't even think she fully had her license, but she had a little car. So I was like, and to my best friend, and I was like, hey, you know what? Let's do this together on Saturdays. And they're like, what? A bank teller course? Like, what the hell? Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? And I was like, come on, it'll be fun. Like, it, I think my sister actually actually needed the credit. So, um, yeah, we would go on Saturdays, and it was six months. Oh, it was actually the semester. And uh, so it was my second semester, 10th grade, and the teacher was like, um, hey, you did really well. Um, when you turn 16, come and see me because there's like a ROP teacher oh, in Van Nuys okay. who um, helps, can help you kind of go through the process if you really want to work at the bank. So really working at the bank was never a thought of mine. It was just that announcement that I was like, you know what, um, let me take it. Like, what do I have to lose? And um, uh, yeah, I took that. I applied to... Um, the ROP class, I, I came back and saw the teacher when I was 16. So a few months had went by, and I came back, and I saw the teacher. And um, the teacher said, I can't guarantee you guys a position at the bank, but I will help you guys kind of get there. Like, I'll guide you guys. So at the same time, my dad had got the restaurant, so I was working at the restaurant at the time. And I was like, oh, shoot, if I do get the position, 
how will my dad allow me to, you know, work at the bank and run the restaurant? Because again, um, I did have four other siblings, but they were all busy and I knew that my dad would really count on me. So um, when we did get the restaurant, my dad really did count on me to come after school and assist with the restaurant. So anywho, um, I did apply at the bank. I took the test and I, I passed. I passed the test and the teacher said, hey, listen, you have a first interview. Um, and, you know, try that first interview and see how that goes. And I was actually the only one from the entire class that got hired at the bank. So um, that led me going back to my parents and saying, hey, I got the bank did hire me before I get a location. I want to let you guys know, like, will you guys let me take it? And uh, that was like with me, my mom, my dad, a conversation. And my dad was like, no, like I need you to be at the restaurant. My mom said, listen, um, I don't want my daughter to get married and someone say like, oh, she was working in the kitchen or she was a cook or something. We didn't give her the opportunity to like better herself. So my mom said, you know what? I want my daughter to take this. So um, that was that. I took that position. And so I had to maneuver between going to school. So I was 11th grade working at the bank. And then that was a part time. So I was there about 20, 25 hours. Um, and then I was at my parents' restaurant all the additional time. So that's what I was doing. So were you like doing homework while at the oh, restaurant yeah. and oh, stuff yeah. like that? I actually have a frame in my office from the Los Angeles Times um, while I was in high school. I didn't know the, the um, customer there was a journalist. And um, I served this table and I was doing my homework in the corner. So I had this table that I specifically would do my homework. And um, I served their table. I would go back and do my homework. I did it all the time. So I don't know how long later he came back and he was like, hey, I published this for you guys. And in that has it says like their accomplished high school server, Sina Kayum. I was like, oh, my God, how cool. So oh, that gives me the chills. Yeah. Did you ever reach out to that journalist to be like, hey, no, like, actually, I framed it. So it's actually in my office right now. So that was that reminds me of how far like to myself, because I look at it every day and I think to myself, wow. You know, you've really come a long way from, you know, mopping and serving the tables and um, really learning how to navigate life. Um, yeah, it's a great reminder for me. And it really humbles me to know, like, I started there. So yeah. I look at it every day. But And doing all that work, obviously, you're in high school. Yeah. Your goal after that, I'm assuming, was to go to college and yeah, um, get a degree. I was actually ended up being at the bank for four and a half years. Um, so all throughout of the remaining of high school and I applied at CSUN because I wanted to do business school. So that whole journey with playing at the flea market really opened my eyes that, you know what, I did really well in business. Like I realized that there was another world that I did well in. So I was no brainer to me that, Hey, I'm going to go to business school. Um, which also led that I became an overachiever in school as early as fifth grade. Um, that stemmed from just my childhood background. Um, I just thought, you know what, I, I deserved, I deserved a different environment. You wanted more. I wanted more. And growing up on government assistant, it it was hard. It was hard because I saw my parents struggle and I, and I knew at that age that it wasn't their fault. Like I didn't have resentment towards my parents. I just knew that I had to do something more, uh, to give myself a different life. I didn't know what that life looked like. I didn't know where I was going to go, but I just knew you that. You didn't want it to stop at the restaurant. I didn't want to stop at the restaurant. I didn't, I knew that I had to do something different. So I feel like at that age of even from 10 years old, I put all my energy and focus in school. Like if I had a B on my report card, like I'd come home crying 
because I was like, oh my God, I have to get an A. I became an overachiever, like the teacher's pet. Uh, I go to the library after school. My dad would always drop me off. You knew education was that way oh, out I of knew. your... Because, because my parents uh, struggled with English. Mm-hmm. My mom didn't speak English, and my father's English was very minimal. So knowing that, um, my dad always said, books are my best friend. So I still tell myself that, and I tell that to a lot of people, um, that to me, my books are my best friends, because that was just the way... I knew how to get out of this was to find some comfort in books. And at such young age, did you feel like a certain type of obligation to be that lens of education for your parents? Oh, 100 percent. Oh, 100 percent. My dad would say to me that, you know what, we want you guys to have a good education, that we want you guys to exceed in school. It wasn't pressure because I was already doing well. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was taking us to the library, me and my sister, and she lose her books all the time. I tell my dad, like, we're all so different. Like, all of your kids are different. And he would tell me, he still tells me, so, you know, you have five fingers. They're all different sizes. Same with the kids. Like, you mm. can't, you guys shouldn't compare each other um, education-wise or anything because you guys all have different personalities. So I just thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do what's best for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you can't get your books together, like, I love this place. So my dad would never yell at me or anything about losing a book. I was always like, you know, I have my book. Like, I'm returning it and getting a new one. Um, being at the flea market, I was around people that are much older than me. So I was having conversations and realizing these people had real struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I became like, literally, there was a handful of boots that just wanted to just talk to me. Like, they found comfort in me just listening to them. Yeah. So, and taking that onto the bank was, you know, seeing so many people, you know, on the day-to-day as my customers, I realized, like, wow, um, you know, life is what you make of it, but you have to be kind to everyone because you don't know what they're struggling with. Yeah. And, of course, you know, that was an eye-opener to me at such a young age, and going into the bank, I had empathy for people. I had empathy for people, at a, I would say, at a very young age. And then later to know that I was an empath myself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes our strengths can be our bigness, biggest weaknesses if we don't cultivate them. A hundred percent. I mean, in business, I had to really learn that. Um, and I did learn that at the flea market that you can't really include emotions because mm. in business, it's like straightforward. Yeah. Um, I've just learned personally, like I can hold space for you, but I can't. I can't make you do something. Yeah. Uh, I could show up as the good leader and be, do put my best foot forward, but the actions really come down on how, how you execute them because there's only so much I could do. That's so true. So I ended up going to business school, went to CSUN straight out of high school. Um, so at this time, I was still working at the bank. I was at my parents' restaurant, and I picked up another gig on the weekend. So I, my uncle had a valet company, and some of his uh, locations were in Hollywood. So I knew Hollywood very well. So I was like, oh, you know, I know this, you know, like the back of my hand because I spent five years going to West Hollywood. So I actually asked my uncle, I said, hey, can I have that? I knew a position had opened at Mondrian Hotel in West Hollywood. And I told my uncle, hey, can I take that, pick up that cashier position for the valet? And my brother-in-law, who was overseeing that location, was like, no, absolutely not. He's like, that's my account, and I don't think that you'll be able to do it. And I said, prove me wrong. <laughs> I said, prove me wrong. My uncle looked at him like, hey, give her a chance. Like, and he was like, no, Sundays are checkout days, and, you know, it's really busy. And I said, listen, I worked at the bank for five years. Like, I work at the restaurant. Like, I have a car. I'm going to be just fine. So anyways, he's like, okay, fine. And then that's when I 
fell in love with like whoa hotels like there was something about luxury hotels and people checking out and like catching the ta- at that time the taxi and it was just like where are you going yeah like how do you have this life and coming from you know Canoga Park and you know being in West Hollywood it was just like another world to me. It so. was like your bubble was popped it from was that popped. like yeah, because neighborhood, I was, right? That yeah, you grew 100%. up in. And being 10 to 15 at the flea market was a different environment for being 18 at, you know, a hotel in West Hollywood. And you're surrounded with completely different people mm-hmm. in West Hollywood at the age of 18. You just saw people traveling and going places. And you, I was just curious, of where are you going? Like, where did you get money to like fund that lifestyle? But to me, it was like, how do I get that I lifestyle? So, um, yeah, when I was in business school, I, I realized that business school was like, wait, I'm already having, I already have the jobs. Like I'm learning this stuff in real life. Like what I thought was supposed to be business school actually turned out to be, uh, my own jobs were teaching me. So at school I was kind of like, okay, in and out, in and out. Like I don't really have a lot of memories in, in school and college. Cause I was like, had at this point almost three jobs. So I was juggling three part-time jobs. And once I got into classes like economics and finance and business law, I was like, whoa, this is requiring a lot of my time. And I got jobs. I got, I got other priorities. So I really was like in and out. So I remember sitting down in one of my business classes and actually doing like some, like planning out my calendar. Like I was like, I learned from that age that I was like structuring out my day, even when I was in class in, in business school. So being someone who went to business school and is now a business owner, yeah. I don't want to say, do you see it as pointless or do you, like, um, where have you seen the value in going to school with the people, the clientele that you deal with? Do they care? Do they ask? No, do they absolutely look? not. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody asked. And the one thing that I take away from business school that I remind myself and I laugh is, uh, one of the teachers in business school was like, when you become a business owner, you get to sign your own checks. And I said, hell yes. <laughs> like I want to sign my own checks. Like, I didn't, I didn't process it then that that's what I thought you do as a business owner. It was like, you get to pay yourself. And that was like, so exciting. Like, yeah, I'm going to pay myself. So, um, no, I did not use, at least personally, because I was so busy with my jobs and stuff, I didn't use any of anything that I really learned in business school towards business. Yeah. But, you know, it teaches you discipline that you have to be somewhere at a certain time and you have to take these exams and you have to study and you have to do your assignments. It was the structure, but it wasn't uh, any more like the overachiever that I was in middle school and high school and going into business school. Then I realized like, oh, this world is not what I thought it'd be. Yeah. I didn't know what I think it'd be. But, you know, uh, being at the bank was like that was real business for me. I know being someone who is in school and trying to figure things out. So I'm like. If I'm going to go to school for something, yeah. I'm going to go for something I have yeah, to have yes. a certification yes. for. If not, I feel like I'm going to waste my exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and we'll dive into it another time. But now, I'm, you know, I told you I was getting my certifications in holistic health. Yeah. This is something that I definitely love. And I'm, I'm so excited to learn a different experience from business school. Because, like, then it was like, why am I doing this? But now that I've... You have your why for it. Yeah, I have my why for it. It definitely speaks to my soul. Like, oh, I'm exactly supposed, I am where I'm supposed to be. And the certification is something that I will need um, to further my career. So. And speaking of that, what does your business look like now or your operation? What do you do? Um, What I do. So just to kind of backtrack it just a little bit, um, while I was at my parents' restaurant um, in business school, my mom actually, I feel like, 
a little of me was like a silent observer always of my mom but especially at the restaurant um i just saw my mom love love cooking she loved the people like she loved everything about uh connection to people and um i remember one time a homeless uh, guy had came in right before we're closing and he's like can i use the bathroom and my mom was like uh, in the back like yeah go ahead and um and then she told Mauricio, uh, the cook that helped my mom, like, hey, pack him some food. And I always thought my mom just cares so much about people. Like, um, she'd sometimes sit outside, and if she saw someone, like, in the dumpsters, like, picking trash, my mom would be like, oh, wait a second, you know, telling me, like, go, go get them food. So to me, was watching my mom, I always thought, like, wow, my mom loves this restaurant so much. Uh, she loves the cooking. Um, she actually got diagnosed with cancer um, when I was 19, about so, and uh, she was uh, stage four breast cancer, which was a complete shock, obviously, to my family. And having the restaurant, um, I would take her to chemo and radiation um, sometimes after class. And um, my dad would tell her, like, I don't want you coming in after your sessions. And my mom, I would take my mom and um, she was like, oh, take me to the restaurant, take me to the restaurant, I have to go. And I was like, but dad said you can't go. And she's like, no, 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 like, this is going to be behind, and, you know, I have to do that, and I have to do this. And um, I was like, oh, my God, my mom just finished a chemo session. Like, why is she, like, you know, coming back to, like, work? And my dad was saying, like, hey, if you don't um, stop coming here while you're in session, your treatments, I'm going to sell this restaurant. And I didn't think my dad was serious. And my dad was serious. Uh, one day he just told us, like, hey, I sold the restaurant. And I was like, whoa, what? And my mom was like broken. So that's when I told my mom, I said, mom, I don't care where life takes me, but I'm gonna start a catering company. I'm gonna dedicate it to you. And she became my why. She became my why because I really saw my mom struggle really hard in life. And I knew that she deserved more, but raising kids and life and responsibilities and just coming from somewhere that had so much trauma, she couldn't help herself mm. so I feel like I wanted to give that to my mom I wanted to do something that I was just like mom this was because of you so that's why I was very determined like I have to finish business school and I have to figure it out but my mom loved the kitchen so much and I loved it so much like I felt that I thrived there and even when I started doing caterings with my brother when there was no like GPS or anything we used to map quest the address to go places and I would go pull up to these hotels and, and all the people would come outside and be like, oh, let me help you. Like, let me help you unload the car. And I thought to myself, I love this. Like, I did so well, not in the cooking aspect, but just in the events and the hospitality. It just, because maybe it was my parents, I felt like it was in my natural element that, yeah. you know, I just thrived in it. When my dad told the restaurant, yeah, my mom became my why. Um, I went on and I was like, when I turned, when I finished business school, and I quit the bank. Um, I just realized, like, no, there's something else out there for me in this world. There's something else, and it's not corporate. Like, I, I've always been one to laugh really loud. I've always been one to love music, and I felt like the corporate world just kept me. Uh, it kept me in a box. Yeah. And my uncle would always tell me, like, Cena, um, the one that had the valet company, he would always tell me, Cena, um, you're going to thrive. You're going to thrive, but find what you're good at. Like, find your passion. Like, you know, uh, on this paycheck, clocking in, clocking out, it's not, it, it, you, you won't get where you want to get to. So that was always in the back of my mind. 
um, from my uncle who I really love so much and raised me like his own daughter. So I kind of thought my uncle's right. What is it that I'm good at? Like, so th those were where the questions kind of started. Like, what am I good at? And when people would ask me, I would say, oh, I'm going to be a business owner. And it was so funny because I was, I was so young. So they'd say, when you grow up, what do you want to be? <laughs> and I would always say a business owner. They'd be like, in what? And I'd be like, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, but what ended up happening was my dad sold the restaurant. I finished business school. And um, I was applying for, actually, before I even decided to start my own business, I was applying for hotels in the events department. So I thought, like, okay, before I even, like, pull the plug and, you know, decide to, like, go full force, let me work at, like, a hotel. Yeah. I had experience because I was at Marriott in the HR department, in the events department and HR. So I had experience as an intern uh, in business school. So that was another thing that I ended up doing while I was in uh, another, add another one to my the list. the list. Yeah. So I picked that up and I realized that, you know what? Um, when they put me in the events department, I wasn't in the kitchen. So I would, I took that internship thinking, like, I was going to be with the kitchen team. But they put me upstairs in the corporate. So that's when I realized, like, I didn't really like the hotel dynamics because the banquet captains were doing everything and the event directors were the ones that were just doing, like, you know, what they had to do was, like, paperwork and behind the computer. So I realized even that, that I didn't do so well behind the computer. You wanted hands-on. I wanted hands-on. So I told Marissa, who was actually the banquet captain, and I said, hey, how do I help you guys? Like, this is what I really wanted to do. So I'd be walking really fast because she'd be walking really fast throughout the hallways and the kitchen and stuff. She's like, Cena, I'm going to tell you, um, you got to come here on Saturdays. If you come here on Saturdays, you can help the kitchen team, like, do the actual food. Like, as far as, like, uh, getting out the food ready and actually see that. And I said, okay. So I was at the bank from, uh, it was like 8.30 till 2. And by the time I clocked down and everything, it was like 3. So I was rushing over to Marriott for a couple hours just so I can be a part of, like, that experience for a little bit. Um, but taking it back to uh, applying for hotels, um, when I was 21, I said, you know what? Before I decide to, like, figure out what I want to do uh, in my own business, let me apply for um positions with the events department at hotels in Hollywood and I was like I have a great connection like let me ask my brother-in-law anyways I sat there for a few months and nothing um, everyone kind of gave me the you don't have enough experience and I kind of thought what do you mean like I have great experience like you haven't seen me in action <laughs> that's yeah. what I thought to myself and it was just rejection after rejection I can't tell you how many hotels I applied for um, now that I look back, I was such an overachiever that I was applying for these event director positions. I asked for like five years of real managerial experience <laughs> and I was just 21 years old, but I thought, well, if you give me the job, I could do you it. You can do it. And, uh, even my brother-in-law was like, Cena, I could try, but like, you really need like real experience, like managerial experience. And, um, yeah, after all those rejections, I was like, okay, like. How do I find it, what I'm supposed to do? So my sister said um, to me, like, hey, let's take a trip up to Vancouver, Canada, where my cousins have restaurants. So she's like, let's go up here for two weeks until you kind of just decide what it is that you want to do. So I knew because I had visited them before when I was 15, before my dad bought our restaurant. Um, they're actually the founders of the Avian Chopin, which is the name of my parents' restaurant, my cousins. Um, my dad was like, I want you guys to take a trip up there and before we buy our own restaurant and, you know, go from there. So that experience when I was 15, I loved, loved um, the restaurant. 
I, I thought that this was exactly where I was supposed to be. So when we went back up there, it made me uh, realize, like, you know what? I belong in this kitchen. Like, I need to do something um, that will lead me whatever I do back in the in culinary industry. So um, that trip, I was supposed to be there for two weeks. Uh, I ended up being there for three months. Oh, wow. And I begged God. I begged God, and I said, God, uh, I need you to guide me. I said, I need you to guide me, and I trust you. Like, I surrendered. And um, seeing how much my parents love God, and especially my mom going through cancer and how much faith that she put into God, um, I was like, God, all I know is that you are my provider and that I trust that if I, whatever I decide to do, that you'll be guiding me. And uh, I remember I still have my iPad, so I still have that. Uh, I took out my iPad, and I started just writing. Hmm. And uh, I said, God, wherever you decide to take me, I'm going to go. And um, that gave me the confidence because I knew God was with me. So, um, yeah, I came back and I was like, you know what, let's try Orange County. And uh, my grandma um, was in Orange County when I was younger, so I had been to Orange County. I knew what Orange County was and I liked Orange County. So um, when I came back from that trip from Vancouver, I was like, you know what, let's give it a shot. And uh, I ended up moving out. I ended up moving out, and I told, the funny thing was, when I told my parents, they were just kind of like, what? Like, where are you going? What are you going to do? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a catering company. It's one thing to say it out loud and have other people hear it, hear it and their reaction on it, because it was just kind of like, what? You're only 22. And um, I thought to myself, I'll figure it out. So uh, the first week, it was so funny, when I moved out, I was waiting for my dad to call me all week. And I was thinking he was going to make me come home. So when I came home on that Saturday, my dad's only promise was I had to come home on the weekends to visit. So on Saturday when I came home, he was like, how, like, what you, how was it like? And I said, I could do it, Dad. And he said, okay, if you feel like you can do it, then, you know, go ahead. Go out there and see if you could do it. And I think that really stemmed down to him seeing me um, at the flea market for almost five years and me, like, helping run the coffee cart and unloading all the vendor cars and, like, just... He knew you had it in you to figure it out. He knew, like, that overachiever child that I was, a straight-A student. He knew, he saw that self-discipline that I had. And I think that that was, like, the foundation of what's definitely helped me get to where I am today is the self-discipline because the motivation is not always there Mm -hmm. but if you're self-disciplined and you have that discipline you'll show up when you don't want to show up and i feel like that was like okay if i have the discipline then i could kind of and i was curious so like curiosity i was like okay let's give it a shot and um yeah 22 i said you know what i'm gonna start my own catering company and um quickly to realize that i need a capital (laughs) Quick to realize that I needed money. And just to clarify, you weren't balling. No, just to clarify, <laughs> I was not balling. I was not balling, and I was like, oh my god, you obviously couldn't ha- ask my parents for help, you know. And uh, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna figure it out. So um, I think I told you, but when my dad asked me like, where are you living? When I first moved out, I was living off someone's sofa couch, and I thought, you know what, my parents can't find out. No one can find out because if my parents find out, they're telling me, oh, my God, you got to come home. Like, how could you live off someone's sofa? And so my sister FaceTimed me. Uh, I, she called my iPad. And uh, she said, my parents want to see your room because they thought I was renting a room in Orange County. And this is when I just moved out. When I was 22. And I said, Lila, I'm going to show them this room. And that happened to be the owner's daughter's bedroom. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I was like, oh shit, I ran upstairs and I was like, oh shit, this is my room, you guys. And I didn't, I didn't want them to feel sad for me. I didn't want them to feel like, oh my God, what is our daughter doing? So I was like, oh, this is my bedroom. So anywho, I was like, you know what? The only thing that I have that's capital is my car. Um, I had a BMW 3 Series that I loved so much um, that I worked very hard to buy and I pay off because I had all those jobs. So I was like, you know what? This is the only thing that I have that I could sell that would give me money right away. And um, I sold it. I sold it and I was like, okay, let's file for my business license. Um, I had researched what market I wanted to go after. So I knew that I'm going to figure out how I can get in the door of where I wanted to go. So um, the thing is they required me to, when I had get my business license, was to um, also show space for a commercial kitchen. So that's why I needed the capital because that place was saying like, hey, you have to pay us for three months up front, um, which we'll get into another time, but how many mistakes I've made and how many pivots I made in business and how all those experiences, as I look back, connected the dot to where I am today because I get to help other entrepreneurs in the food industry but that's only because I was learned. I learned from my own mistakes and I thought to myself, I don't have any investors on board, so I have to learn quick. I have to take pivots quick and I learned self awareness from my failures. Like that's how I learned more. Um, and I'm really good at learning from my mistakes. Um, so I started my catering business, um, when I was 22 and the only thing I knew how to make and cook at the time was um, gourmet salads and sandwiches very simple so I got into the door of where I wanted to go and and that how that happened was uh, there was an events director at a property and um, she's still my friend and she so she tells me like Cena if it wasn't for your you just had something very catchy about your your energy and and I knew that if I gave you a chance that this may open the door of other opportunities for you. So I said to her, listen, um, my parents know how to do Avian food. Can I do a Mediterranean night here um, for the residents? And um, she said, let's give it a shot. So that opportunity led for me to get really creative fast. And I thought, you know what, how can I you know, sell sandwiches and salads and how can I package it for just say a building where like five, 600 people lived in, for example. And um, I wanted to not only get into that um, department of doing uh, luxury living, um, but I wanted to get other management companies. So she was like, listen, I have um, the, I have a meeting with other um, attendants of the management companies and the one that you want will be attending. So if you do your sandwiches and your salads and if she approves, uh, she will contact you herself. So uh, probably like two days later, that management company contacted me and was like, hey, did you cater so-and-so's uh, meeting? Like, I really liked your sandwich. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, wow, okay. So I went over there, and I wasn't a vendor for their company. And um, she was like, oh, you're not a vendor? Oh, here's the paperwork. And I thought, oh, my God. Like, I've been knocking on this door for this management company for a few months now, and I couldn't get an answer from anybody. So that was that. And once she made me a vendor, she's, I told her, like, hey, I, you know, I want to start a catering company because I want to dedicate it to my mom. I was very much myself. I was very much, all, you know, being honest. And I said that, you know, I'm new to Orange County and um, I'll figure it out. Like, I'll figure it out. Anywho, she said to me, hey, you know what? 
I will actually put together a meeting with the other company. So now this is another person that was helping me. So I gave a presentation and I told them like, hey, this is my why and this is why I'm here. And um, I'd be an asset to you guys' team. I was very confident. Uh, and that really stems to like my experience as a bank and business. I, I never, I didn't see it as a business transaction. I saw it as something bigger than myself. I feel like something that stuck out to, or sticks out to me about your journey is that you were strategic as well as transparent. Yes. So you gave yeah. them what they needed yeah. to believe in you yeah. and trust in you, but also pull out their heartstring. And you weren't yeah. just like, oh, I'm new to this and I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. but I'm, like, I'm new I, to this. I, I know what 100%. I'm doing. Trust me. Even though you didn't yeah. have your whole plan and lined that out. Was, that was in my presentation that I had my experience from my parents' restaurant. Um, it was just up to them if they really believed in me because I believed in me. Yeah. That's why I was there. It was just, do they believe in me? And they're like, oh, we'll give you a shot. So I walked away from that presentation. Like I knew that I was meant to be here. So it was a lot of those um, incidents or those experiences that I was just kind of like connecting the dots. And I was like, okay, if this ended up here and they said yes to me, um, then, you know, I'm just going to trust the process. So yeah. it started from early on there that I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to build a culinary team. So my parents did my first Mediterranean night. And after that, uh, and I got more business, I was in the sandwiches and salads going to kind of expand the menu. I was like, okay, I need to, you know, build a culinary team. So I developed another uh, business plan. And I was like, well, if I can execute this, then I can afford to build the team. So I uh, executed, I had a really big launch party and uh, all the management companies in kind of Orange County attended. And they're like, from, I think that the confidence what is what stemmed a lot of those doors opening for me because let me tell you, I didn't know what I was really doing at that age. I mean, I didn't know what business really demanded of me, um, but I was like, you know, I had the attitude that I'm gonna figure it out. So if I do, do this and I do take this risk to put on this launch party and those other management do show up something's going to come out of it uh, if I don't fail I'm going to learn something from it so um, when that I did have that launch party um, when I was like 13 I other management companies like hey like what's your website like what's this and what's that and I was just figuring out as I went <laughs> so did you I even was, have all that stuff yeah, set at I, your launch party I, I don't even recall that I did spend a lot of money on building websites that actually nobody, after they got to know me, needed anymore. Oh, wow. Nobody needed my business card. Nobody needed my brochure. But I spent thousands of dollars um, trying to build the website and trying to make these brochures and hire like copywriters and all this stuff. And I realized like once they knew who I was, they, they were like, oh, Sina. Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, Sina could do your event. And um, but I was able to build a coordinator team. I was like, oh, let me hire a chef. And um, I was like, you know what? I need to get out of that kitchen that I was originally at the first kitchen. And I was like, I need to be closer to this, uh, these properties in um, Irvine, Santa Ana. And I was in Costa Mesa. And um, I was just like, okay, let's do this. And that's when I actually ended up meeting Priscilla and Yolanda. Um, and just to give you background, Priscilla and Yolanda, it's Vanessa's uh, sister, sisters. sisters. And um, I put an ad out for uh, like event team members and... Um, I was doing interviews and uh, I hired Priscilla and then I saw a resume and it said y Yolanda and the last name matched Priscilla's and I think Yolanda comes to me and says did you know that we're sisters and I was like I thought you guys might be sisters 
But anyways, I went on to build a culinary team and I went on to build an events team. And then my brother was always on board with me. So my brother was like, I'll help you. So um, while I was at that kitchen, I was expanding and making pivots uh, as I realized, like, okay, this is what I need to do in business. And this is how I can scale and I can volume um, probably like a year into it uh, and getting all these other management companies. I realized, like, you know what? I need to get my own space. I need to get my own space because um, the way commercial kitchens work is that you get, like, hours. So kind of like a co-working space that you yeah. are with other companies. Um, I was just like, you know what? I need to figure it out, but I need to get my own space. So uh, that was that. When I was 24, I said, you know what? It's going to be a really big risk, but I'm going to look for a space. And I'm going to build my own kitchen. And everybody, including my brother, I didn't even tell my parents, but my brother was like, you're crazy. Like, what do you mean you're going to build your own kitchen? Like, that's just a whole other ball game for you. And I was like, nope, I'm going to figure it out. And, um, yeah, I found a space, and uh, it's two uh, warehouse units. And I was like, you know, I contacted a contractor. I found the um, all the people I need. I found the electrician. I found the plumber and everything. And I was like, you know what? I like I tell you today I didn't know what I was doing I didn't know what I was doing but I was like you know what I'm gonna figure it out so uh, I pulled the plug and I signed my lease and uh, that's when I was going on 25 I was going on 25 and I built my own commercial kitchen uh, from the ground up pre-pandemic <laughs> right pre-pandemic just before the pandemic just hit. before the pandemic hit I took a really big financial risk um, but I see now like Sometimes when you take those big risks, you don't know what you're getting in yourself into. And it, it is so challenging and it's so hard. But you realize years later, like, sometimes the outcome is bigger because that risk you took was so big. So um, I, I definitely learned a lot from just that one experience of building my own kitchen. Because remind you, I had experience in the culinary industry, like in the kitchen, setting up events, like hospitality experience in building something from the ground up like every wall every nail like i was a part of the whole thing with architect so that process took eight months wow and i was dealing with the city of irvine um i didn't know what the hell i had got myself into <laughs> I, it was too late to pull myself out i tell you that much but um to deal with construction and uh, ordering the doors and just getting the place permitted and i was like whoa i was asking a lot of people for help like, because, you know, the contractors and electricians and plumbers, they were not on my side. So anything they did additional was additional cost for me. Yeah. So I was asking a lot of people that I knew. I'm like, hey, my cousin's, in, you know, in Canada. And I was like, hey, like, you know, what about this and what about that? And I learned. I learned. Um, and how just not being to curious, get ripped off. How not to get ripped off. And that <laughs> comes from the flea market. I tell you, that comes from the flea market. Like, the negotiation skills definitely comes from when I was a kid. So I, I knew that... I think that these men were just kind of like, where does she get this from? Because I didn't they, come off as young. Yeah. Because I never carried myself like I didn't know what I was doing. I always carried myself like I was, I'm supposed to be in this room. Like I'm supposed to be doing this. Um, I didn't have those thoughts that I can't do it. And um, people tell me like, oh, you're happy all the time. I'm like, no, it's something I have to work on. I just choose to see light and positively in my struggles and yeah. those obstacles um, but when I built the kitchen, I was like, holy shit, I did this. Um, but, you know, with that came a lot of, you know, lows and highs that I had to navigate through. But um, I was able to help other, you know, food startups uh, with my space. And I saw them build their products and be a part of their product launches. So that gave me the opportunity to just continuously learn. 
So I was like, I show up every day with the mindset that I'm learning something. So even having my own space, my own catering company, um, went on to build a food line for my corporate clients, I'm continuously learning. Like, I feel like if you show up with that mindset, that curiosity and that energy, it'll take you places. But if you have the attitude of I know it all or I, I, you know, or egoistic, you're going to get in your own way. My mom always says uh, attitude of gratitude. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Always have an attitude of gratitude because people want to feel like they're appreciated and they're seen. Not that they're uh, trying to work for your vision or your dream. They want to be a part of. They want to be a part of it. And for me, it's like, I want to know everyone around me. What is your dream? What is your vision? Like, this Mm. is my dream. This is my vision. And thank you so much for being a part of, you know, this and bringing it to life with me. But I want to help you. So that's how I see it. Um, I don't see things as a business transaction or that, you know, oh, I have this team or whatever. So I think of them as an extension of my heart. Mm. Like, that's how I've always seen them. And they feel that. And I want to know, like, hey, what is going on in your life? Like, how can I help you? Not how can you only help me? So there's value there. Um, But I want to know, like, hey, where is it that you're trying to get to in life? And how can I help you get there? So, um, yeah, it's all just been a great learning experience. Literally from couch surfing to construction, you've literally put your passion at the forefront 100%. and that's something that stuck out to me because so many times people want to work on something and do something that they're passionate about yeah. but culture tells us like that kind of stuff doesn't make you money so you yep. don't put that as a you don't make that a priority you put that to the side yeah. until you develop your career and then you work on that passion project and do what makes you happy yeah. But you did it the other way around. You said, that's the only thing I knew. That's the only thing I knew since I was 22 that I didn't want someone. I didn't want to wait for someone to tell me that I could do it. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure this out, but I'm going to take this route and I'm going to pave my way. And now that I look at it today, that I hope that I could be of hope to somebody in their journey and say, well, you know, if Sina was able to come from, you know, Conoco Park and, um, and build something for herself and help other people, then, you know, um, we could do it too. Like we talked about earlier, it's just trusting the process, having faith and trusting the process. Even if those around you didn't understand it. Oh, completely not. (laughs) And to this day, there's just a lot of people that don't understand. But you know what? If you believe in yourself, that's all that matters. Um, People, your vision is for you and your purpose from God is for you. And that gift and that talent is uniquely yours. So learning to bring those to life is um, a journey that, you know, an individual has to take. My sister submitted a question for you and she said um, that you shared on Instagram that one of your clients or friends came to your office and her son was confused because you basically were the woman running it while you had all these men working for you when that happens to you like or when that initially happened to you what did that moment feel like i actually paused and i laughed um i found it funny i I, it's funny in the sense like wow this little boy who's five years old is saying this to me it kind of you know i was a little shocked and i smiled and i said um females can be leaders too and um that really stems from you know having raised by my father and my uncles i was that confidence it gave me was that I could do anything I put my mind to 
So being around men or male dominant industry, I never felt that I couldn't be around them. Mm. I just felt that if I walk in my power and I'm uniquely myself, that I'll thrive wherever I go. And that's whoever I'm around. It just happened to be in the you know male dominant industry, but that's just the world of business for you. Yeah. So I feel like if you know how to carry yourself and you have those values that you have for yourself and that respect that you carry it, other people are just a mirror of what you feel inside of you. So if you feel that, you know what, you're capable of achieving whatever it is you put your mind to, well, guess what? Everyone around you will feel like, you know what? They she could, could do it. You. They could respect you. Um, and that stems from your attitude and your mindset and your beliefs about yourself. What do you hope that someone learns from your journey or what would you tell Sina at 22? Um, to always remain a student. To always remain a student and always be curious. Always be curious because you don't know where life's going to take you. And I feel like um, a lot of people that I do meet are so uncertain. So uncertain, like, oh, if I, I want to have this kind of business or if I want to do this. And I kind of feel, well, life's uncertain anyways. So if you bet on yourself, then what, what do you got to lose? And it's always usually the judgment of others. Yeah. And for me, it's kind of been like, you know what? Everyone judges regardless. I don't care. I'm going to do what I feel like I need to do. And that's why it's been like a really tunnel vision for me. My journey has been very like, you know what? I'm going to put in what I could do and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to trust the process. Um, but I'm going to follow what's in my heart. And I feel like if you remain a student and you're curious and you're kind and you're a nice person, of course, having boundaries, um, you'll get to wherever you're meant to get to. And that's something that you did mention that you had to be tunnel vision and you had to stop talking oh, to some family 100%. about your plans for a uh, while. I, I had actually, uh, you know, I was telling you that uh, I feel like I've become an introvert. I've become an introvert because I realized that when you do say your goals and your dreams sometimes out loud, uh, people have things to say. And I realized that early, early on in my early 20s that people are like, oh, who does she think she is? And, you know, she's going to start this kind of business. Like, what does she think? And that came from some people that were you know in our in our family and i just thought to myself i don't have to prove anything to anybody um once i surrendered to god i thought you know what i have god and i'm gonna achieve whatever i meant to achieve and i'm not gonna be scared to fall because i know how to get back up and when you know how many times you fall and you get back up only you know how resilient you are and the more adversity you go through and you learn from those lessons it shapes you to where you're meant to go yeah. and i feel like only you could feel that magic and in your day-to-day -day, like when you are just going through life and i feel like the most important thing is that knowing that hey i'm gonna fall but i'm gonna get myself right back up and i'm gonna keep on going what does your day-to-day -day look like now that's just evolved so much because starting a business my day-to-day -day looked something else and in the midst of my mid-20s something else but my day-to-day -day consists i'm very thing on routine like i need routine i need structure um for me to be most productive, I need to follow routine. So um, I started f simple, small steps. Being a business owner and being an entrepreneur, there was a lot of wounds and a lot of trauma that I had to heal within myself. And I was like, wow, I need to do the inner work. Like I need to heal from a lot of things that you don't want to speak out loud to people, but you know that it, it's there. You're, you're carrying it every day, you know, and it's really heavy. And um, I started with a couple sessions of therapy and I realized like, wow, I have a lot to work on. Uh, and to do both simultaneously, it's hard. Like here you are trying to lead a team and be your best self. Another aspect, you're just like really hurting inside. 
and um, and you know you meet different characters and different people in your life and they make you question your worth but you still have to show up like you still have to show up and those thoughts and emotions are still there until you do the work so I started um, journaling so that became a part of my day-to-day uh, was journaling um, I realized early early on that if I don't read um, a book aligned to my soul my mind wanders at a certain time of the day so yeah so that i realized is common and a lot of entrepreneurs are like no we have to read throughout the day like just like 10 pages or something and i was like more than i wanted to learn about myself uh, in my early 20s i caught my mind wandering um and living in the past so i now that i can connect the dots that helped me overcome that i was living in the past Uh, even though I was to say, you know, learning from my mistakes and making pivots in business, there was a part in me that was so caught up in the past that I didn't know how to be present. So that was by doing the inner work and the shadow work that I was like, oh, wow, journaling helps me, meditating helps me, um, working out helps me. So these things are all part of my routine. So um, like I said, my routine has definitely evolved over the years, but now I wake up and I have to go work out. So I'll check in and do what I have to do at the office and then I'll hop over and get a workout in. And then, um, yeah, I come back and continue on with my day. But throughout the day, I do those micro things. So the journaling, the reading, meditating in the morning is definitely uh, the top of my priority. But, you know, praying, um, reading, all those things. Before we close, is there anything that you want to touch on? There's no such thing as overnight success. Yeah. Like it's brick by brick, like showing up and putting in the work and in that work is where you find your magic. So not skipping those chapters. So when life did seem really rough for me and it seemed like I was in a dark place, I knew that I was going to see the light. And I found the light doing all those, you know, the shadow work and the inner work and showing up for myself. But I feel like those um, years where I felt like this was like the darkest time of my life and I had really bad anxiety, um, doing the work is where I really found like, you know what? I was meant to walk those those paths for a specific reason because they all connect the dots now. But uh, success is not overnight. So know that you know brick by brick is how you build a house. And same with you know bringing a vision to life. It's brick by brick. I agree. <laughs> I feel like I've literally said a brick by brick on like an episode, a yeah, few episodes very back. Important, it's very so important. important. It's not as glamorous as people may think. Like oh, being an entrepreneur is so great because you get to do travel here and you know drive that kind of car. And I'm just kind of like. Let me tell you the real deal because uh, like anything else, it's a journey. And if you just showed up and you knew everything, what would be the fun of that? Thank you so much for Thank joining so much me for today. Me. I, I know I even it. didn't even finish like half <laughs> of the stuff that I had because we got in depth about other things. But we can you look at that later. do another yeah. uh, series on it. But thank you so much for having me. It was great. Of course. And thank you guys for tuning in. That's a wrap.